0: This is the weekly sermon from Church of the Holy Trinity, a Reformed Episcopal parish in the Anglican Church of North America in Houston, Texas. Find us online at holytrinityrec.org, find us on Facebook as Holy Trinity Houston, and on Twitter and Instagram as Holy Trinity REC. Enjoy the sermon. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. As we spoke about last week regarding the book of Job and the harm Job's three friends did to him through their cutting words throughout that book, it's appropriate we continue with the Bible's cautions against the unbridled tongue. Pride of course is the source of a tongue that is not constrained. We live in a time in our own country where the words coming from people whether spoken or written. Are without restraint completely. Rhetoric abounds that Christians should not be religious but spiritual. The answer we often hear in reaction against religion is to let to not let oneself be constrained with religion. Yet unconstrained means to allow oneself to do as one pleases, even if it means disobeying Scripture in favor of the so-called spiritual slant of doing what feels right. We think about it with our tongues. Ten times out of ten, gossip sliding off our lips feels good to the sinful heart. Ten times out of ten, withholding the tongue from gossip feels stifling to the sinful heart. While the world tells us to go with what feels good within the Christian religion, as found in James chapter 1, exhorts us to resist these temptations. Instead, we need to speak with grace, starting with prayer as our teacher. It is that for today, known as Rogation Sunday, the next three days in which the church prays for the upcoming harvest and the crops and the livestock that will be raised this summer that we focus on proper speaking as Christians. First, bridling the tongue requires prayer. Bridle in a passage means to bridle, to hold in check or restrain. Little later in James chapter three, verse eight, it reminds us about our sinful condition, where we all are at, if you will, in our sin. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. Does this mean we give up and sin to our heart's content regarding our words? No, it means we must ask for grace and help in this area. Part of prayer for help with the tongue requires that we look within ourselves, that we examine ourselves, comparing our lives and thoughts with the word of God. We look for the areas in our lives of weakness. Not only is examination for wickedness important, sometimes reminders of why certain behaviors are sinful is needed as well. In, our, in the persistent attacks against Jesus and his church of this world, part of the scheme involves telling us the lie that sin is either not really that bad or that it's not really a sin at all. This is especially true with the use of the tongue in speaking evil. In examining self, we also need to know the seriousness of the exposed sin, especially of the unrestrained tongue. James chapter 3, verse 6 explains the sins of the tongue in detail. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life And set on fire by hell. In such sobering imagery, we are ready for the next step, if you will. When sin is exposed in our lives through the Holy Spirit, the next step in bridling the tongue is to repent, to confess, to ask God's forgiveness. As we read today in Hosea chapter 6, verse 1, Come, let us return to the Lord The only healthy remedy when confronted with any sin is to turn back to God in repentance and asking for help. In seeking forgiveness, we also seek his help to go and sin no more in the particular sin that is confessed. We're given opportunities to repent every day of our lives. If we pray the daily offices of the prayer book, of morning and evening prayer, we have chances through the general confession to repent of areas that have been exposed by the Spirit in our lives. The same is true when we confess the general confession as we will in a few moments in the communion service. The general prayers we pray together, especially in our prayers of confession, are meant for all of us individually within to give our sins to the Lord as we pray together. While the minister invites the congregation to confess, it's a good time to ponder the areas we fell short in the last week since our last opportunity. The idea behind the presence of a confession in our services is to urge its importance in daily life. After we repent of our sins of the tongue, it's important to note that prayer depends upon God alone for everything, especially the need for restraint in our language. Dependence on God in prayer means we seek his help. We seek his help for humility It means seeing every opportunity in life around us as instruction to us to be humble before God. As we read in our psalm today in verses 23 and 24, those who go down to the sea in ships and occupy their business in great waters, these men see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. Too often our pride gets in the way in terms of our accomplishments And this manifests itself through the misuse of our tongues, lashing out at fellow people and eventually God. After repentance, a life seeking to submit to Jesus Christ's ways to go and sin no more is one that seeks constantly through everything in this life, lowliness and humility before God. This dependence and prayer entails knowing first and foremost that God loves us despite our many provocations through our words. He, as our loving Father, patiently calls us back. He, in his deep love of us, sent his Son, Jesus Christ, to save us from even the raging sins of our words. God does not require a laundry list that we have to meet in order to earn our salvation or merit points with him. Christ has accomplished through his sacrificial love all that is needed, to secure eternal life. As he first loved us, we follow Hosea chapter 6, verse 6 that we read. For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. The more we come to a knowledge of his love for us, the more grateful and thankful we will be when living our lives to want to love others as God first loved us. Jesus has overcome every shortcoming we have when we feel defeated by ourselves or others. He answers with his forgiving love in these eternally assuring words that defeats even the harshest of our words that he told us in the gospel today. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Bridling the tongue requires prayer to God, asking for help to bridle. As Psalm 141 verse three states, a key Psalm in this area, Set a guard, O oh Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. We know our Savior Jesus has overcome the world, even our sinful words. We need to ask for help to aid us, even in our words, to protect us from uttering poison. A common occurrence in the days before GPS devices, or even still when GPS devices fail, is that a husband lost on his drive with the family, is too prideful to stop, to ask for directions. The same is true for all of us, with our lips and our words. If we have chronic issues with losing ourselves and our words and set everything aflame, have we ever simply stopped to ask God for help, to cease getting lost with our words? Do we make a practice of praying for grace and help in the areas we are weak? Do we ask for help with our words in various contexts, both in our lips and written words? Use the words of Psalm 141, verse 3, as a common refrain in your life to pray to God. Memorize it. Pray it often. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. Amen. Bridling the tongue means also that we fill our minds and our words with the words of God, his scripture, songs of praise, prayers and worship. A sure way to tangibly aid us in bridling the tongue is the practice of uttering holy words and songs from our lips. When we ask for help from our propensity to certain sins, God calls us to replace such sins with his righteousness. With words amiss that devolve into gossip, Slander, blasphemy, boasting, pride, and so forth. God gives us the words of Scripture and his church through prayers, hymns, songs, and chants to fill the voids where evil words used to spew forth. Our psalm today contains many parts that direct us toward a holy use of our words and our lips. In verses 21 and 22 of the psalm we read, Oh, that men would therefore praise the Lord for his goodness and declare the wonders that he has done for the children of men, that they would offer unto him the sacrifice of thanksgiving and tell out his works with gladness. And verses 31 and 32 of the psalm, Oh, that men would therefore praise the Lord for his goodness and declare the wonders that he does for the children of men, that they would exalt him also in the congregation of the people and praise him in the seat of the elders. We have much to be thankful for to God through his son's work of merciful salvation. Often when we let our tongues fly off the handle into depravity, It's because we have ceased dwelling on the fair beauty of God and all of his grace and mercy to us. We are called to use what we learn in the singing and prayers of our worship in daily life. Call on God in prayer for help to fill the voids with his words in singing, reading, and praying. Call on God for help to utter words of grace, words that build up, words of comfort and respect in all situations. And remember, when we fail, as we all fail, thank God he is gracious and merciful and loving to forgive us when we repent. Through the process of prayer for help comes the next and last point to ponder, that bridling our tongues requires the submission of our life, the submission of our words to God alone. This is what is implied in filling our words with his word. Such begins with an acknowledgment that no matter how hard we try, our words on this side of eternity and this life will never be perfect. We can only look to Jesus Christ down to all he suffered, down to even the words he uttered, the words he held back as perfect and sinless, even when he suffered. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 7 explains what Jesus did for us at the cross. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In our society that values the use of the tongue and words to defend self, even if it means sinning, we need constant help. We need the continuous reminder that only Jesus can save us through his unblemished sacrifice down to his sinless words and perfection in response to his murderers. The Reverend Melville Scott, an Anglican priest of the 19th century, wrote of three areas of bridling the tongue that go well with depending on God alone in his perfection and his help with our words. The first is the bridle of restraint. He wrote, the bridle of restraint is most needful, for they are apt to go too fast, and be in advance of truth through exaggeration, of modesty through boasting, of feeling through flattery, of love through anger. In all these respects, they are apt to run away with us. When words go amiss, all restraint is gone and people get hurt. The spirit of paganism is such that states people need to just get over our sinful words without repentance and reconciliation, that we're free to speak and write as we desire. The spirit of paganism we also see all around us as such that refuses to hear someone repent for their sinful words and rather to play God in punishing them with no chance at forgiveness. Both of these approaches to words are sinful. It would be akin to the three friends of Job, going without consequence for their harsh and unfounded words against him, telling Job to just deal with it. They're free to speak as they chose. Or of Job at the end of the book refusing to forgive and offer sacrifices for his friend's words. The second area Melville Scott wrote about is, the bridle of correction is needed to prevent them wandering into frivolity, personalities, scandal, or into subjects of which we know nothing, lest they carry us whither we would not. When we speak or write without restraint, we need the loving correction of Jesus Christ. The correction we find for our words in Jesus alone is through his love, praise, and honor. We are corrected through exhorting us to stop uttering evil and calling us to use his loving and gracious words with respect. The last area Scott wrote about is this, the bridle of direction is also needed to guide them into whatever is good, useful, interesting, and edifying. In quoting Ephesians 4:29 and 31, let a, no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. But only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you alone with all malice. These three areas require a submission of our whole being to Christ, even our lips. It is God through the Spirit that convicts us when we go amiss with our words as well as the church. When we hear admonitions for restraint and the bridling of the tongue, we must shun the worldly response to to tell such to get lost. I'm free to speak and write as I please. Instead, the hard thing to do is to listen and repent and ask for help. Restraint, correction, and direction of our lips is hard. Only Jesus spoke perfectly, without blemish. He did this for each and every one of us, dying for our many inabilities in the critical area of our words. He redeemed even our tongues and mouths from the poison we utter and write. We are called to cling to Jesus alone for everything that we need. There's no... Need to despair at how hard it is to restrain and bridle our tongues because the penalty for this disobedience in these areas has been paid in full by Jesus Christ at his cross. We are called to submit to his forgiving love, his salvation, submitting through prayer, even our tongues and mouths to him, asking him earnestly to help us with our words. Let us close with these words from St. Peter in 1 Peter 2. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Amen.